Hi friends, welcome to Faithbrook. So glad that you are worshiping with us right here in person and maybe online. It's gonna be a great day. Terry and I are not in service today because we're down in Missouri checking in on our family members, but we'll be watching online. You know, one of the things that's close to Faithbrook's heart is our mission, and that is to love God, love people, and journey together. And one of the ways we love people is to mobilize the church to serve or to give in some compassionate, outreaching ways. Uh, we've had the privilege for the last couple of winters to mobilize many of you to feed my starving children. And in February, about 60 of you signed up and showed up to package, they say, over 20,000 meals. And these meals are going around to the world, and some of them are even going to Ukraine. Now, speaking of Ukraine, uh, we've also asked you this month to give to a compassionate offering for the refugees and the needs in Ukraine. Now, we're part of a global network here at Faithbrook called the Church of the Nazarene. There's about 2.5 million Nazarenes around the world. And so our uh, world leaders have been in contact with these pastors and missionaries in Ukraine and Poland and, and Europe there. And we are getting uh, real live feeds of what's happening. And many Nazarenes, including you, are giving uh, very generously and your money is going straight to the borders and some of these refugees areas. I watch uh, Nazarene Compassion Ministries on Facebook and they show pictures and just some of the articles what people are going through. I notice in there they talk about some of the, the supplies that we're giving uh, is getting sneaked back over the border to people in, in bunkers and shelters. There's these Nazarene churches that are opening up their doors and their churches are turning into dormitories. And I saw a picture the other day that this little sanctuary uh, was filled up with bunk beds. Well, they bought those bunk beds from Ikea with money that we and the other Nazarenes around the world are shipping and getting that to them. If you'd like to help out these refugees and their compassionate needs, you are welcome to go to our church app. And on the offering link, there's a drop down line that says Ukraine and all this month of March, we're collecting money. Uh, for, on behalf of these refugees in the crisis there. Also, if you prefer a check, you can place a check in one of our offering boxes on your way out. That's a little bit of who we are here at Faithbrook. And if this may, might be your first time or second time, we'd love to get to know you. One of the best ways to get to know you, if you just trust us with your, your email or your phone number, we have a blue um, card right in front of you. If you pull that out sometime, and give us your name and your email, uh, that would be appreciated. We will be sending a $5 gift to a local food shelf on your behalf, if you'd be willing to trust us with that. You can take that blue card and put it in one of our offering boxes on the way out. If you're online, you just go to Faithbrook slash guest, fill out that form, and we're gonna get an email back to you to say, man, thanks for checking us out. We're so glad that you're here. Now let's give our attention to Pastor Mike as he concludes our series. Well, back in college, I had to take a science elective, and so I thought a class on the study of the planets and stars and solar system would be fascinating. So I signed up for Astronomy 101. Now in this class, one of the things we went through was the stars and constellations, and we learned that the second most important star after the sun, of course, in our uh, galaxy, in our solar system, is the North Star. Now the North Star had a lot of significance throughout uh, the history of the world, and even astronomies throughout the millennia have regarded the North Star as very important. And one of those things of why the North Star is so important is because it helped with navigation. 
You see, they didn't really have a GPS back then, so the way they would get around, especially through the night, was through the North Star because, as we know here in Minnesota, it points to the north. Well, thank God that today we don't travel through the North Star and we have GPS. But I do recognize something that when we don't have something that guides us, we tend to get ourselves lost. In fact, when we don't have a direction, we don't know where we're going, we tend to be spinning our wheels and we just kind of go around in circles and it can become very frustrating. And not just in driving or going to different places, but I think it applies to other areas in life, specifically parenting as well. In fact, sometimes in parenting, it's really easy to not know what, uh, what you're doing, where we're going, and even what direction we need to go. And what happens is, is we end up parenting in the moment. Now, maybe some of us have uh, gone through this. Maybe we've experienced this as ourselves. And what can happen is this leads to uh, some estranged relationships. It can even uh, lose any influence that we might have on our kids' lives. Maybe you have experienced this with your parents. Now, some of us, as uh, we might be suspect to maybe even head in this direction with our kids or our grandkids as well. And so the question is, is there a way to change course? Can we change direction? Is there a better way? Well, welcome to Faithbrook. I love that we get to worship here on site. And for those of you uh, tuning in online, it's so good to be together. Well, today marks Evelyn. She's my daughter. We call her Evie. This is her 11-month birthday today. So today she turns 11 months. So that makes me a dad of 11 months and my wife a parent of 11 months. So let me just tell you, with not even a year's worth of parenting yet, we have all the answers. So sit right back. You just buckle up because here we go. Okay, so all joking aside... This series has been really good, especially for my wife and I, as we are young parents and we have little ones. And this has been good for us to look at how we want to parent as we look to the future for Evelyn and even just what we want to do for her. It's been encouraging. It's spurred up a lot of great conversations. And uh, for today, I I think it's a really, really neat day because it's really not so much a a talk about how-tos or whatnot, but really more of a direction and how we can parent towards a better future, but more on that in a bit. Well, uh, as we've been going through the series, we've been looking to the Bible, to what God has set for parents and families. But the interesting thing is as we look to the Bible and we look at the different examples of families, there really aren't any good ones. In fact, they all have dysfunction. There's all some sort of things wrong within the families. And even Jesus's family had dysfunction within it as well. And even when Jesus comes on the scene, he doesn't really talk about parenting directly. But what he does do is he does lay a foundation for parenting and our behavior. In fact, what he does is he brings about a new command. And this new command he brings is to do this, is to love others as he has loved us. To love others as Jesus has loved us. Even after him, the Apostle Paul writes many letters through different churches through the uh, Roman Empire, and he writes about Jesus' brand of love. And so the uh, past the three weeks, we've been talking about what this looks like and how we can uh, parent in the 21st century. The first week, we talked about how God and Jesus have really set for us an ideal. They set for, uh, for us what, what an ideal for healthy parenting is, and that is uh, good marriages. Uh, the ideal for healthy parenting is a healthy marriage. 
But the problem is, is that the ideal sometimes falls apart. Sometimes we fall short of the ideal. Life happens, real life comes in, and it gets really messy really quick. And what we found out is that Jesus navigates the, the reality of life as well. And what he navigates it with is with grace and truth. He navigates it with 100% grace, that he, he never dumbs down the grace when people fall short of it, and he never dumbs down the truth either, either to make people feel uh, better about themselves. The second week, we jumped into one of Apostle Paul's letters, and this was a letter that he wrote to the Corinthians in uh, the 13th chapter, and in it, it's called, it's known as the love chapter. Maybe some of you have heard at weddings. Maybe you had it read at your wedding as well, but really what it is is a letter about how we are to behave with one another and how we act towards one another. And in this, he kind of, uh, he writes about how we are to have this uh, attitude that we recognize that our behavior, not our advice, ultimately de- uh, determines what kind of influence we're going to have on our kids. And so in his letter, he talked about three main things we covered. One was love is patient. We saw that it's not about pushiness. It's not about being exas- exasperating towards our kids. We also saw that love is kind, that we want relationship over reputation, and we also saw that love should not, be, uh, should not envy or boast or be proud. And really what we find is if we really want influence with our kids, we have to deal with ourselves first. We have to deal with what's going on with ourselves inwardly, spiritually, and be emotionally healthy. And then last week, we talked about discipline and how discipline really is a good thing. Discipline can be really good for our kids. But really what we found is that honor is superior to obedience, And this is why, is because obedience asks this question. It asks, how far can I go? Whereas honor asks for us to strive for something far greater. And so we saw out of this that our discipline, that our discipline should always aim towards restoring a broken relationship. And so this week, this week we're going to talk about uh, what we're going to parent towards. What is the thing we're aiming for as we are parenting? Now, as we've talked about behavior, we talked about discipline. Now we're going to talk about what is our guiding light? What is the thing we're aiming for as parents? And we know that when we are, if we're aiming for something and we know where we're going or what we're aiming for, we really can parent with a purpose. And that affects our attitude and our direction as well. Now, when we don't have a purpose, when we don't have a direction in which we're going, we can be like a chicken with our head cut off. We're just running around. In fact, we can lean into parenting, uh, uh, into reactive parenting instead of active parenting. And this might be something that a lot of us maybe grew up with. Maybe this has been our experience. Maybe uh, it's even uh, something that's left a sour taste in our mouths. And so what this might have done for some of us is we set up for ourselves what uh, I've learned is called not goals not goals. Maybe these are some things that you have thought yourself, maybe said yourself, but not goals go like this. I'm not going to have this relationship with my daughter as I did with my mom. Or maybe, maybe you said this, I'm not going to be like my dad. Or maybe you said, I'm not going to parent like my parents parented. Have you said that? Have you maybe thought that? Well, now here's the problem with not goals. Not goals are not enough. You see, not goals are not inspiring. In fact, they're not relational. And in fact, a lot of times they cause for overcorrection and we lean too far in the opposite direction. And so the thing that I was encouraged with and I wanna encourage all of us today is that we, we wouldn't settle. We wouldn't settle for not goals, but we'd aim for something greater. 
And as Andy Stanley has said, uh, he says this, that your behavior, your behavior is going to determine if your kids uh, like or want to be like you. And that is why having a North Star to guide us is so, so important. And if we can determine what that is, it will really shape the way that we parent. And as we look to what Jesus has said, Jesus says this. He, he says that we are to love as he has loved us. So what does it look like to love our kids as Jesus has loved us? So I'd love to submit this as our North Star as we talk through and have our conversation today. Our North Star would be this, that we would parent toward healthy adult relationship with your children. That we would parent toward a healthy adult relationship with your children. That we would raise our kids in a way that they enjoy being with us and one another even when they don't have to. That even when they leave home, that, they would have a, that we would have relationship and influence with them. So to go further today, we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians, in Paul's letter, chapter 13, and we're going to go through a couple verses. And I want to encourage you to go there. You can either get there through your analog Bible, through maybe your physical Bible, or maybe you can turn to your digital one through the YouVersion Bible app. Now, what I like about 1 Corinthians in this specific chapter is Paul does give us some handles, some things that we can do and how we can strive towards living towards this North Star of parenting towards a healthy adult relationship with our kids. And so he starts in verse 6, where he continues, and he says this. He says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He says, Love doesn't re, re, uh, does not delight in evil. This is things that are unrighteous. These are things that are morally wrong. These are bad things. So love doesn't delight in this, but it rejoices in things that are true. This is things that are good, things that are wholesome, things that are, that are solid. Uh, it's about, uh, another way to think about it is it's not about dwelling on bad things, but in fact, we dwell on the good things. And I think another way that we can, we can see this is that love celebrates doing the right things. Love celebrates doing the right things. You see, when our kids do something right, we want to cheer them on. We want to celebrate them. You see, love doesn't get sat a sense of satisfaction when we catch our kids doing something wrong. See, I think too often it's easy to stand by and react to different situations, and we're almost just waiting for them to mess up, and then we drop the hammer on them. And in a lot of times, all this does is it just says it's proving our, how we are right. And in fact, it could be right. We could be right, but that's not what love does. In fact, love uh, reacts in an opposite way. And what we do know is that what gets rewarded gets repeated, now, my wife, my wife is really good at celebrating things. In fact, she can find almost anything to celebrate. She can make these smallest things feel like the biggest wins. Well, a few months ago, Evelyn was starting to eat some solid foods. And in wanting to try out different foods, we got the Gerber baby foods. And so we tried things like sweet potatoes, apples, pear, even butternut squash, and uh, Evelyn loved those things. We continued to feed them. But my wife wanted her to try a variety of things. So we had to get her trying a variety of things, even peas. Now, I don't know. Have you tried Gerber peas? I don't know if you've tried those things. And they're bad. They smell bad. They taste bad. They're just bad. Well, uh, my wife gave Evie her first bite. And she gave a face much like her dad did when her dad smelled the jar, and something like that. But Jen was smiling and happy and kept feeding her a couple more bites. And as Evie was eating down this jar of peas that were so terrible, Jen did something so amazing. This is what Jen did. 
She cheered, she clapped, she smiled, and after, after, out of the grimace that Evelyn had trying to swallow down this food, she too, she too was smiling and laughing, and she tried to clap too. It was really cute. In fact, I was sitting there, and with all this encouragement going on, I was about ready to go grab myself a jar of peas as well, open those up, and start eating them. I wanted some of that encouragement as well. Now, this is uh, something so small, but I think it really has encouraged Evelyn this, uh, to even try different new foods. In fact, we tried avocado with her, and she didn't like it at first, but she was encouraged, and now she loves avocado. Now, I think even just as an infant, these are just little things, but even as kids get older, we want to catch them. We want to get in the habit of catching them doing the right things. We want to catch them doing that. Maybe, maybe they've done chores without, uh, without even asking. They've done willingly. In fact, they were done before you even got home from work. Or maybe they completed all their homework without being nagged. Maybe they even apologized without being asked. Or how about this? How about they even invited a friend to church? Uh, maybe they were, they were kind and they shared with someone. See, these little things of getting in the habit where if we can encourage them and catch them doing the right things, they will, they will do that and repeat those things because what gets rewarded gets repeated. So we want to catch them. We want to catch them doing things that are right and we want to celebrate those things. So Paul then continues in verse 7. He says this, he says, it always protects. Love always protects. Now, maybe you've heard it in a different translation. It would say, bears all things. Love bears all things. And this is the idea that it defends, that it, that it shields. Really what it's doing is it, it keeps bad things out. Another way to, to say this is that love stands on guard. Love stands on guard. You see, love is always watching out. You're looking out for those things and you're really seeing that no harm would come their way. But here's the truth. It can be so tough. It can be so tough. How, how do you know if you're being underprotective or how do you know if you're being overprotective? You know, on one hand, you, you can be completely apathetic and passive and you just don't really care and just kind of let the kid figure it out and they can figure it out on their own. And then you have another end of the spectrum where you can be like a helicopter parent and you're just hovering over everything they do and you're nitpicking everything. Or maybe, is what I've just learned recently, you could be a lawnmower parent. And a lawnmower parent is this. It's a person, it's a parent who goes in front of your child and mows everything out of the way, trimming anything that could be bad or harmful, and you just clear the path so that no uh, bad can come their way. But is that what's, what's really best? Are any of those really what's best? And I think what makes it so, t- so difficult is that there are so many different areas of life that, that can be a danger to them. You know, when they're a lot smaller, there's physical dangers. You know, there's things like table corners. There's things like in my house, there's stairs. Uh, even as they're getting older, you know, I worry about Evelyn even crossing the street. You know, even the things of what are the, the choices that they're going to make as they're going to be influenced as a, as a kid. Things such as TV and movies and things they watch. Maybe the messages they are hearing from school everywhere else. And even as they get onto the internet, you know, what's going on with there? There's, there's porn, there's dangerous people. Even their friends, who, who are going to be their friends? They're going to be influencing them. And not just physical people influencing them, but what about people on social media and the influencers there? It really does seem that danger is just lurking around every single corner. And some of us can lean into way overprotecting, and some of us might even lean into completely hands off. But what is the better way? 
And I think if we look at completely hands-off, we obviously, some of us would say, well, no, duh, that's probably not the best because they'll just tumble down the stairs or bonk their head in the corner. And when you're completely overbearing, well, maybe that's not the best either because overprotection doesn't necessarily mean uh, sheltering. You see, I think a lot of times we can create all these boundaries, all these rules, but in the end, it just becomes dogmatic, can be unburdensome. And that is why, as we heard last week from Pastor Jim, that honor is superior to obedience. Now, the best advice that I received is this. This is some advice that I'd love to share that I received in my 11 months of parenting, is this, is that I'm not always going to get this right. I'm going to get it wrong. But, but I should err on the side of too much protection. Why? Because it's a lot easier to give freedom away. It's a lot easier to let, lo- let loose the rope of freedom. It's a lot easier to let that out slowly than it is to try to rope it, bring it back in. And the other thing with that is was to just trust my gut as a parent. What do I think really is best? Now, the second piece of advice uh, really comes in regarding to the freedom I d- just talked about. And freedom really isn't so much about the age, but really about their maturity and ability to handle responsibility. So just because Evelyn is 15 doesn't mean she's going to be able to get a learner's permit and handle the responsibility of driving a vehicle. And the advice I received is this, is that in those things, in those things that I think what, what we think is best, that we are to stand our ground, really stand our ground and do what we think is best. In fact, it's okay. It is okay for our kids to hate you temporarily. In fact, even, even if they make you out to be the bad guy, now, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that you love them more than you love their approval. So some ways to navigate this and to, to uh, get through this tension and uh, figure out the dangers that they have and how we love them through this is one thing is being involved. It's to, to be aware of the things that they're going through. And I, I think the, one of the things is, are, is are we, we actively involved with them? Do we know the things that they're involved with? Or are we watching the things they're watching? Are we in the social media spheres that they're in? Are we doing the things that they're doing? And are we actually interested in them? Are we actually, do we actually care that the things they're interacting with so that we can have conversations with them? So that we can have that kind of influence with them? Now, some things also may be a no. Some, some things may be a no forever, and some, some things may be a no just for a time, like a cell phone. This is something Jen and I have talked about for our kids. Is uh, Evelyn ready for a cell phone at 11 months? Oh, I don't know. Maybe when she's a year. I don't know. I don't know. But, but it is something that we talk about, and it's something that we, the conversation for us is, is when is she, is she ready to handle the responsibility? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the rules are only going to get so far, but it's really our influence is really going to come from our behavior and the relationship that we have with them. But we do see that love does protect. Love does want what's best for them. And sometimes, sometimes it'll be rough, and sometimes it'll be really tough. But that's okay. Now, Paul continues, and he says this, that love always trusts. Uh, another way that you might have seen this in other translations is that love believes all things. Now, this is this idea that we think it to be true or even to be convinced that something is true. And another way to think about this is that love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love will give the benefit of the doubt, and it always defaults to trust. Now, the thing that's interesting with trust is that it, it has to be, you can't have trust without a relationship. In fact, trust assumes that there is a relationship. 
So immediately what this does is this, this asks the question of how, what, are you doing, uh, what are you doing to help instill and build a relationship uh, with your kids? How are you building trust with your kids? Are you taking intentional time with them to build this trust with them and even for their trust with you? And as we build this relationship, we're instilling this trust that builds this two-way street. Now, this goes to say that there isn't going to be ever a time that they won't break the trust because it will happen. So what do we do when the trust is broken? What, what do we do when this happens? Well, I got some, uh, some other advice, and there's two words to use that when trust is broken. And the two words is this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, I can't believe you did this thing, and now that you have to bear these consequences, I, I'm so sorry for you. Oh, no. Really, real surprise, being really surprised. And what this does is, is it's showing them a couple things. One, it's signaling to them that you're expecting the best from them. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But we're expecting the best from them, and we, we were hoping that they would carry through the things that they would carry through. It doesn't, it doesn't signal that we're expecting them to mess up. And so what ends up happening out of this is that we're siding with them. We're taking their side in the situation. Oh no, says we're taking side in, in their situation when they even break our trust because then it helps build that trust with them. It helps build back, bring back the relationship. And in fact, it then even opens the door for discipline. As we talked about last week, it opens the door for discipline so that you can restore the relationship. In fact, that's what God did with us. Remember, uh, you know, while we were still sinners, what did God do? Did he berate us? No, he died for us. And he went and he paved the way and he made sure to repair and restore the relationship. So for us, as we're assuming, assuming the best and giving the benefit of the doubt of our, for our kids, and when the trust is broken, you know, what is your current go-to response? What is the thing that you say to your kids when trust is broken? How do you respond in those situations? You see, what love does, love shows our kids that we give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, Paul wraps up in verse 7, and, and he says this, that it always hopes and it always perseveres. And this uh, word with hopes means that we expect with confidence or uh, we're even, uh, even if we think about our kids, we're looking to the future and we're wanting what's best for them. And always perseveres, maybe we've heard it this way, is that it endures all things. And it's this idea that you're always there. You're never leaving, you're holding fast. In fact, I think another good way to say this is that love never gives up. Love never gives up. You see, love aspires the best for them. Love is always there, and it's there through thick and thin. See, I know that for, as parents, maybe even grandparents, we have high hopes for our kids and grandkids. You know, I know for, my, uh, for Jen and I, for Evie, we, we have some high hopes for her. We want her to grow up loving Jesus. We want her to be able to make good friends. We have hopes that she would do well in school and she would be uh, equipped to be able to contribute and participate in society and even have a good family. And in this, these are things that we pray over her, and even pray with her on a, a daily basis, that we pray over these good things for her in these things. But as history tells us, as we look to families of the past and even maybe our own family, it doesn't always turn out the way that we have hoped. It doesn't always turn out that way. You know, maybe they, they stray from faith. Maybe they've chosen some bad friends. Maybe they're not, not, not doing so well in school. 
And maybe they just don't even know how they want to contribute, and maybe they don't know what they want to do with the family. List can go on and on. And sometimes we wanted one thing, and what happens is they have done another. And they've gone the opposite way. I love what Mother Teresa says. She says this, You will teach them to fly, but they will not fly your flight. You will teach them to dream, but they will not dream your dream. You will teach them to live, but they will not live your life. Nevertheless, in every flight, in every life, in every dream, the print of the way you taught them will remain. The print of the way you taught them will remain. You see, love asks us, are we willing Are we willing to love them even when they don't have or do what we have hoped for them? You see, hope says that we're going to continue to pray. Hope says that we're going to not give up on them. For those of you that are maybe grandparents and have experienced a situation, may you be encouraged that you can continue to pray. Continue to be a positive influence in their life. Continue building that relationship with them so that you can be a positive influence. And this is why it's so important as parents, that we really have a purpose. This is why the North Star is so important for us because this is what helps us stick through the thick and thin. Now, the truth is is that parenting is hard. In the 11 months that I've gone, it's hard. It's difficult. It demands a lot. For those of you that have older kids, maybe the kids are out of the home, you know this. It's hard. It demands a lot from us. In fact, a few weeks ago, one of my favorite quotes has been that parenting is not convenient. It's not convenient. In fact, it's tiring. At times it feels like there's never any breaks. But Dr. Schroeder says this, and I think it's some good advice, not just for myself, but I think for, uh, for those of us here too. He says this. He says, go slow, be patient, and give grace to yourself. You see that no matter what, would we have the love, would we never give up, that we would see through that even through whatever our kids are going through, whatever situations have come up, that we would handle them with 100% grace and with 100% truth. Because love always, always hopes for the best and perseveres through thick and thin. Now, as we wrap up today and our series, may we be encouraged to remember this, that we're never going to get any of these things 100% right. In fact, we're going to fall short. But here's the thing, that's Okay. That's okay because at the end of the day, we are taking steps towards our North Star. Every day that we are taking steps towards, heading towards our guiding light, that we would parent towards a healthy adult relationship with our children. And as we can imagine that this just has so many different ways in which it affects us and uh, even ch- uh, challenges our parenting. And this, this is hard, right? Because this, is, this can be really difficult to live out. But as we go today, maybe as you are a parent, maybe uh, uh, as your parents, you could be thinking about this as the next step. Something to ask yourself is this. What is your current North Star? What is the current thing that is guiding you as a parent, that is guiding you as parents? What is the thing that is guiding you? What is the organizing principle in your home? You know, maybe you'll, you'll go home and you discuss and you'll find out that it's, it's obedience. Maybe that's the thing. Or maybe it's respect. Maybe it's achievement. Maybe it's something else that I haven't stated, but there's something else that you can come up with. What is that organizing principle? And what is it that maybe needs to change? What is it that needs to change that might be something better, something greater? Because this is what we see, 
that we see the truth is that God first showed us love through Christ. And it's then required of us to love as Christ has loved us. We love our kids as Jesus has loved us. Now, I consider myself really blessed to have married into a great family. In fact, I was pretty shocked to see that they love being around each other. Uh, they love being around the holidays. Even when it's not a holiday, they uh, make uh, time to get together. And in fact, we get together quite often throughout the year, even in taking vacations together. We even do, do that. And for Jen and I, this has been something of a model and something for us that we have discussed and we have, we have really enjoyed, we have liked being a part of. And we we're wanting and wanting to aspire, even for our own family, as, uh, as we even uh, grow. Now, here's the thing is, that could be the ideal. For us, that's an ideal. Maybe for you, it could be something a little different. But is that, that's the ideal. We know that that's not always going to be the way it works out. And maybe for many of us, we've fallen short. And that's where reality comes in and real life happens. But we know that we can navigate, navigate that through the trenches with truth and grace. That we would ultimately strive for, for what, uh, to, what Jesus has for us, this new command that we would love as he loves us. Will we, uh, will we continue to live out that our, our behavior, will we see that our behavior really is going to determine whether or not we have influence or not? And that's why it's so important to live out Jesus' brand of love. That we'd be patient with our kids. It wouldn't be exasperating. It wouldn't be overbearing. That we'd be, be kind. That we'd be kind to them. That we would value relationship over our own reputation. That we wouldn't be easily angered. That we would be able to deal with our own stuff first and be able to deal with what's going on with our heart and uh, take steps toward uh, maturity so that we can pass that on to our kids and parent out of health. And we also find that, that honor is, is superior to obedience. It's so much greater. And that when we do have to have those moments of discipline that, the, that we can aim towards restoring broken relationship. And that we can ultimately parent towards healthy adult relationships. That no matter where we are, whether our kids are young, like my daughter Evelyn, or maybe they're out of the house and maybe the relationship isn't great. But there's always hope that we can turn things around and we can always point towards having a healthy relationship. And it can start with even just celebrating the wins and even to, to protect that we would trust and hope and persevere. Because that is what happens when we can love as Jesus loves and parent in the 21st century. So as we go today, I'd love to stand us all together as we pray. And wherever we are at, maybe we are expecting, maybe we haven't had kids yet, maybe you want kids in the future, maybe you want kids in the day, maybe you don't have kids at all, maybe you're an aunt and uncle, maybe you have some sort of relationship with kids in your family, you're around kids. Whatever that may be, that this series has been a blessing to you, that you are able to interact with the kids in your life, that you can have a great influence with them. So let us, uh, let us go ahead and pray as we go. So Jesus, we, we thank you so much for, for all of what you do. And we just ask that wherever we are, that in our relationship with our own kids, maybe grandkids, maybe nieces, nephews, whatever that may be, Lord, may, may you guide us. May we may really focus on our behavior. May we see that, uh, that our behavior really is going to affect whether or not our, our kids or those that we're around really want to be like us or even be, uh, be with us. 
And God, may you lead us as we go, as we maybe go home and have the discussion of what is our North Star. God, may you help us uh, figure that out. May we formulate something that really points towards loving the kids in our lives as you have loved us. So maybe you, may you equip us and empower us as we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining in on the series. I want to invite you back next week as we kick off a brand new series. You won't want to miss out. I'll see you next time. Have a good one.